Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. So we're now less than six weeks out from the start of the Tokyo Olympics, and Athletics Canada is poised to send a bigger team this year than in almost any other Olympics of the last two decades. Our depth is incredible, our athletes have stepped up brilliantly under the challenging conditions of the last year, and to celebrate all this excitement, we're bringing you a new mini-series called the ShakeOut Podcast Olympic Bound Canadians. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sitting down with some of our country's best runners who are, in all likelihood, Tokyo Bound. Each episode will focus on a different event group and sex category. We'll chat about athletes' preparation for the games, their goals, major competitors, and other exciting storylines to follow. Our first episode launches today and features the women's 800 meter with Melissa bishop Miyagu, Lindsay Butterworth, and Maddie Kelly. All right, so I'm joined today by Olympic fourth place in Rio, uh, former world championship silver medalist and Canadian record holder, Melissa Bishop. Thanks so much for joining us for this Tokyo series for the ShakeOut podcast. So nice to see your face. Hi, Kate. Thank you for having me. No, we're so thrilled that you were able to join us today. You are joining us from your house in Windsor, Ontario, where you've been training for the last couple of months. We were just chatting about how nice it must be for you to be back home. Yeah, you know what? This this year has been so different for everybody. And we found ourselves in Victoria uh, with my coach, Trent Stellingworth, for the first three months of the year. Um, but now that we're back home, there's just something about being in your own house and having all those those comforts of home. But things are starting to pick up and get busy again. So I'm I'm trying to soak in all the all the little things that I can right now. And what are some of those little things that you're really trying to hold on to and enjoy? Mainly time with my family. I Corinne is just at an age right now where it's so much fun and I just I don't want to miss anything, and that's my fear leaving is that I'll miss something. I was away for four weeks in April to to go to California and chase Olympic standard. And I would call every single day, three times a day. And she didn't care that I was gone. She seemed to be fine and she was busy playing, which makes my heart happy, but it doesn't change how lonesome the parent gets. Um, So right now I'm really just trying to soak all of that in with her and OC last weekend was the last weekend that we had together as a family. OC works shift work. So he is working every weekend now until I'm gone or I'll be traveling. So last weekend, we just, we did everything. We were outside all weekend. It was a low key, slow weekend. Um, thankfully I was able to, to plan, uh, training around it too. So it wasn't, it didn't take up too much of our time. So it was really great just to, to spend time together. And that's what we're trying to soak up right now. That's so nice. I'm so happy for you. I'm sure all the parents listening will um, have somewhat of an understanding as much as they can about what it's like to I be think so. away and then back. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's so lovely. I'm really happy for, for you and your family, Melissa. That's so nice. Thanks. So you mentioned being away for um, that meet in California, and I want to get to that in a second. Maybe we can just do a bit of a recap about where things are at right now with your season. You've done so well this year already. I mean, you've got your Olympic standard under your belt. You actually achieved it at those Golden Games uh, in California about a month ago. So maybe you could take us back and just give us a a bit of an overview of what the last several months looked like training-wise leading up to this outdoor season and then how things have gone so far. It's the training-wise, I guess, Kate, it's been... I'll I'll tell you this. the, the, The year off with COVID was truly a blessing for us coming back from pregnancy, I just needed more time. And I was given that time with COVID as, as terrible as it was, but it, it was great for my training. So training has really progressed very well, very steadily. I think the most important thing is that I've remained healthy through all of this. Because if you're not healthy, then you can't train to the level you need to. And I know you know this, we have talked so much about this. Injuries can be very uh, heartbreaking. But that being said, I have been healthy and training has been progressing. We've done a lot of strength work, a lot of speed work. The speed comes back very quickly, I've found. Um, I'm finding myself in shape very quickly. And I think that was that was the biggest surprise for Trent. Trent picked up right where Dennis left off. Like it was such a smooth transition for us. And I, I thank Dennis's detailed program. And thankfully we had we had talked about the the coaching merge and switch before Dennis had passed. So Trent did a really good job of of tailoring Dennis's program to what I needed. So all that to say is that 
we are very strong right now. And we, after we had attained standard in, in California, we kind of went back to the, the base season almost typically in our year in April, we should be in Flagstaff doing like a lot of strength work and a lot of that, that hard stuff. And we purposely made a schedule shift from April to May. So we made May, April, and now April, May. So we were able to compete at a, at a level and, and to get Olympic standard out of the way. So now we came back from California. We did a couple weeks of base training hills again, strength work. We got back in the weight room to try and put some like muscle weight on. And now we're coming out of that into these Tokyo qualifier series. We're coming out of that strength phase. So it's really about performing under heavy legs because we still at the bottom line, we have to perform in Tokyo and that's our main goal. And that's such a hard thing to do again, that performance on demand. And then again, as you've mentioned, like throwing into it, this wrench that COVID has created, not being able to have the domestic races that you necessarily would have had in the past, having to plan travel differently to the US, Mm -hmm. all of the logistics that go into that. And um, if we look back at your season, you know, you, you opened up on March 27th with a 202 in Victoria. And I know that the conditions were far from ideal there. So that was a great performance given everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a 204 in Eugene on April 24th. And then things really took off for you, Melissa, because uh, it was May 2nd that you achieved that first Tokyo qualifying standard. You ran 159.4. And just a reminder for our listeners, standard is 159.5. So you dipped under it. And then you kind of blew that out of the water just seven days later um, at the Golden Games running 158.6. And now you've just come off another sub two performance of 159.6 in Windsor, which must have felt so good running back on your your home track um, just over the weekend. So like a huge jump there from that 204 in April to that 159.4 in May. It sounds like everything really clicked. I mean, I'm sure it's just such a huge relief as someone who's been chasing these standards as well in a different event. I know what that feels like. But what was that like for you going into those meets in California and having things just really come around in a really good way? It was a, it was a relief, Kate, because I knew training indicated that the standards were there, but half of the battle is just being able to race well. And my first standard came at the Chula Vista meet, which was a very clean race, clean in that there weren't a lot of competitors. I had a really great rabbit to 600. Um, It was really just about executing the race plan and running as fast as I could. So we achieved the first standard there. And then going into Mount Sac at the Golden Games, there was almost like this pressure was off. How I performed and my race plan had no ill effect on my Olympic standard or not. Because had I not had Olympic standard, then yeah, my, my race plan may have changed a little bit, but I had it. So I was able to take that opportunity to run from the front, which is something that I haven't done in a long time because I've been off for four years. So it it was a fun opportunity to just kind of race expectation-free, if you will. I certainly had my own expectations about what I wanted out of the race, but in terms of Olympic qualifying standards, I, I didn't need it. So I could take the risk. That counts for so much because you, as you mentioned, like with fewer races on the schedule, with it being sort of this like compressed year, you really have to take advantage of any opportunity that comes up when it comes. Right. And I think that's the other piece that some people forget is that it's, especially I find the shorter the distance, the more you need these frequent races to remind yourself what it's like to race, to actually not just run fast, but to get in those tactics, to have those bodies around you, to take those risks. And now you're back in Canada doing these this domestic series. And um, we were again, we're just chatting about this before the recording started. And I'll talk with Lindsay and Maddie about this as well. But your event is really the, I would say, the only one in Canada that has like a critical mass of high-level athletes all running together domestically right now, which is really cool in this in this Tokyo qualifier series because almost everyone else has had to leave the country and stay away. But I think it's almost the entire women's final from the 800 in at the 2019 Canadian championships are back running together. What's it like being back on home soil and racing all your compatriots and and just trying to, you know, hit these fast times and run well together? I think it's so much fun. I mean, we have such a talented group of 800 meter runners in Canada right now. It is unreal. Had the standards been the same, they were in 2016, Kate, we would be sending three women without a doubt to the Olympics right now. But obviously with the new point system, standards have changed. So I have no doubt that there will be three women in Tokyo on the line for the 800 meters. I um, think it's amazing that all of us can run together right now. It just makes for high quality racing 
in Canada and high quality performances. And a lot of the times you don't get that. So we raced Windsor last weekend and essentially the entire final was there. Less Lindsay because she was at Harry Jerome. But that Windsor track saw the fastest 800 it has ever seen, ever. And that's that's so great for our country and for our facilities. And Guelph, Lindsay will be there and all of us will be up on the line. And that too will be a very fast race. It's like, we're not here to play around anymore. Everybody wants to run fast. We're seven weeks out now, six weeks out. Like it's, it's go time. But I think it's so great that we can all be together and support one another and, and really just have some really fast races. Totally. I think it bodes really well for the future of uh, this event as well in Canada. Yeah, I think so too. Now that we're only three years away from the next Olympics, I mean, yeah. not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's some real depth here that I think will carry on. There is a lot of depth here. There are so many young girls, I, even the girls I see in the NCAA right now, in three years, Kate, this event will be at its peak. It, it's amazing. I'm so excited for it. Okay. So you've just run Windsor. You said you have Guelph coming up and then it will be nationals after that, followed by the last chance meet in Montreal. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. We're going to try and um, just capitalize on being home and moving around as, as less as possible, basically. So we, we plan to do all of that. And then, um, you know, we, we really have to start getting ready for Tokyo after that. So I, I hope to have at least one race in Europe and then, one more race TBD where that race will be. And then we'll head into training camp, um, mid July. Where will that training camp be for you? In Gifu, Japan. And that's the holding camp before we go into Tokyo, which is great. Yeah. Getting used to that heat and humidity <laughs> and the time zone shift. That's going to be, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You're obviously a seasoned veteran in this event now, Melissa. And you know, I have to ask one of the obvious questions here at the last games, you were fourth. And, um, I know that that was a really, um, you know, incredible performance, but really tough in some other ways for you, given that the three women who medaled ahead of you are no longer eligible to compete in this event in the women's category at the Olympics. I'm wondering how you're feeling about sort of where you're at on the global scale as we head into these games in Tokyo, obviously a lot of other things have changed. I think you're, you've run the eighth fastest time in the world this year, um, according to the world athletics, you know, you're right there. I think, you know, the women ahead of you are, it's only, you know, less than two seconds, which I know is a lot in an eight, but the point is like, you've been in that place before. I'm wondering how you're feeling about this Olympic games compared to the last. I think, Kate, I feel the same. I have the same expectations as I did in the last games. And the last games was to be on the podium. And certainly my expectations for this games is to be on the podium. I have no interest in a fourth place finish again, or a fifth or a sixth or a seventh or an eighth. This is something, it's almost like I, um, like I have, I have something to fight for. Like I have unfinished business almost, if you will. The competition is as tough as it's ever been. Don't get me wrong. This is not going to be a walk in the park. Like we are killing ourselves every day to be the fastest we can be in Tokyo. So I think God willing, you find me on that line in the final, who knows what can happen. What do you think will make the difference this year? I mean, you're coming in, in great shape. You're coming in with, you know, probably more experience than almost anyone else in this field. What do you think it will take for you to get to that podium? And what will you be drawing on the most heading into that final? Well, I think you just said it. Like, I think I'll be drawing most on my experience. And a big part of what we're missing out on during COVID and competing during COVID is racing back to back. It's become almost impossible to do domestically, internationally. It's very hard to do. So I will definitely draw on my experience. To, to race through the rounds and, and get there th and get through them as comfortably as possible. But I think, you know, half the battle is the mental battle. Physically, when you get there, there being the Olympics, everybody's in peak form. Everybody's in peak shape. Everybody is ready to go. And the other part of that comes down to the mental performance side of things. And I've been working very, very hard on that. And I think that will be, I think that'll be the make, make or break difference on, on the line. So the, the other piece I wonder about is you hear a lot of um, female athletes talk about, of course, there are all the physical changes that you experience when you have a child, but then that sense of purpose as well. And we've had both Melindy and Reed Coolset talk about this 
sort of the inspiration that they draw on from their kids. And I know that, you know, you and OC having Corinne in your life, you've, you know, at least from the outside done such a fabulous job of, you know, just um, really balancing your athletic career with your family. I'm wondering what you'll be thinking about in terms of having Corinne in your mind as you head into uh, these Olympic Games. That kind of makes me cry, Kate. It's, oh. um, no, it's, it's good tears. Children are one of the best gifts. Um, and I certainly want to do this for her and my family. Osi and her have been a pillar of support through all of this. And um, I could not do it without them. I could not. And knowing that one day, she may not know in the moment, she will know what's happening, but she gets to see her mummy on TV. She doesn't care anymore, right? Like she's, it could be the Olympics or it could be the Mount Sac Golden Games. Like, it doesn't make a difference to her. I just want her to know when she's old enough to understand that I was fearless in my in my endeavors and fearless in what I wanted to go after in my career as an athlete. And I hope that she can she can find meaning and and motivation out of that, if you will. Like when she's ready, she's so she's three now. Like she has no idea. But when she's ready, that she can look back on that and be like, God damn that was so cool my mom did that right like that's that's what I'm doing this for right now this might be a difficult question to answer we don't want to take you out of your focus on Tokyo and how exciting it is to be in this moment but of course one of the realities with COVID and these games being delayed is that we're now only three years away from Paris do you think that we'll be seeing you making a bid for those Paris Olympics? Oh, Kate, I would love to say yes. And I want to say yes. I love the sport I'm in right now. I have no intentions of leaving. I think a lot of it will depend on how I do out of this games, to be honest. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure I'll be in the 800. Let's put it that way. I stuck my foot in the 1500 while away and I am very very intrigued now and I'm you know I've done a little a little bit more strength work than I ever have in the past and I think it showed in that 15 and I'm really uh, like I I want to get there I, I I may not be in the 800 but I think in the 15 like why the hell not I've I have never I've run it five times in my life so I think why not Kate there's no there's no telling me like nothing's stopping me at this point I love that. And you just, I know that um, it wouldn't have quite mattered because you're not contending for it uh, in, in these games, but you just missed that Olympic standard in the 15 as well, running yes. a five second PB and running 404.4, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you're obviously right there. And as someone who is also moving up in distance as I uh, mature with age, I can yes. relate to. <laughs> and it's a fun new challenge, right? Because my, when is. you're a specialist in a certain event for a long time, it, it, it offers a new opportunity for growth when you can move into a new event. Yes. Yeah. So like you, like the 800 and the 15 for you, like we, we specialized in this for so many years and it, it's almost a new, um, not a new job, but a new opportunity and, and it's different training. I, I, I don't know about for you between the 15 and, and the five, but from the Huge eight to difference. the 15, it, there's a big difference in training. And, and there's a part of that that's exciting. It's the unknown. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Whole, whole new world of uh, untapped potential. Well, that's really that's exciting. Right. Yeah. We will certainly, you know, all of us be cheering and following along with whatever comes next, but in the short term, Thank you so much for joining us and we wish you the absolute best of luck heading into Tokyo and uh, we can't wait to watch you complete your unfinished business in this 800. Best of luck to you, Melissa. Thanks, Kate. Well, yesterday I had the privilege of being able to chat with Melissa Bishop Nuryagu for this episode and we had a great conversation and today I am as equally lucky to be joined by Rundown co-host Maddie Kelly, who's now on the other side of the mic being interviewed, along with her compatriot, Lindsay Butterworth. It's so nice to see both of you. You are both just outside Guelph, Ontario at the moment, preparing for a race tomorrow. So hello to you both. Welcome. And how are you both feeling? Hello. Thanks for having us. I'm feeling good. Just got into Guelph last night. So just getting settled to the three-hour time change that always kind of doesn't feel like much, but then when you get here, you're like, oh, 
this is it's 9am here, but it's actually 6am my time. But yeah, feeling good. Awesome. Hi, Maddie. Hi. Hi, Kate. You can relate to that three hour time change. I think when you went out west, you went you went and met Lindsay on her turf earlier this year, you said the same thing. You're like three hours, man. It doesn't sound like much, but when you do that travel across the country and have to adjust, I feel like two is not a big deal. Somehow three sucks. Three makes a difference. But for me, when I go to the West coast from Ontario, I love it because I'm like, I am an early bird. I get up at 6am. I feel awake. I am a productive, industrious member of society and then I swear that I'm going to maintain that schedule because it's a perfectly fine schedule. And then like coming home, you don't feel the time changes badly, but I never do. It's terrible coming home. But no, I actually like the to the West Coast time change. I hate the coming home. I would agree. You you agree with that, Lindsay? I was yeah. going to say that's interesting because I feel like I guess it depends on who you talk to. And I think what you said there, Maddie, is really key. It depends on if you're like a night owl or an early bird. Because when I fly west, I just can't stay awake. So I'm like you. I'm up at I'm up ready to go at five in the morning. But the problem is I'm almost always flying west for a race that is inevitably at like nine o'clock at night. So that I'm like, I need to figure out a way to like get that melatonin in my system and be able to sleep in so that I can actually like be awake at nine. Cause otherwise I'll fall asleep at seven o'clock every night. Well, that's like when people like, let's talk about your race day routine. It's like, it's so boring. Like I race, I race at 8 PM. I'm literally just lighting the day on fire before then. Like I'm not doing anything. So yeah, the whole idea is that you want to sleep in as late as possible because it means you have less time to spend doing nothing. Yeah. Someone asked me like the other day about what I like, cause the race at Harry Jerome was at like 9 PM and they're like, Oh, like, what do you eat all day? I'm like, <laughs> literally like the most bland things, like probably like six pieces of bread and like a banana <laughs> over the course of the whole day. Well, you know, Lindsay, you just mentioned there, Harry Jerome. So I know that one of the things that Melissa and I talked about was how exciting it is that the women's 800 is far and away the event in Canada right now that is really able to capitalize on the fact that there are domestic races happening all of a sudden because seven out of the eight finalists from the Canadian championships in 2019 are competing at some point in this series, which is really cool because, of course, one of the things that we've been talking about across the board with our um, event groups this year is how many Canadians have been out of necessity forced to either go to the States or to Europe and to race there. Um, but you all have this really unique opportunity to see one another repetitively on the circuit. So maybe we can go back a little bit and just recap the last couple of competitive opportunities that you've each had. Maddie, let's start with you. Cause I know you just ran a personal best. What was it? Four days ago in Windsor. Why don't you take us back to that race and tell us about it? Well, that was my first race in a month. And, you know, Lindsay and I've actually been we kind of just followed each other around America and then we came home at the same time. So we've been on a very similar schedule, but yeah, that was the first race after a month long racing hiatus. And it almost felt weirdly like a, like a second season opener uh, just because it's very rare that in the middle of a competitive season, you would take that many weeks off of racing, but because of the quarantine, you know, it kind of necessitates it. But I, you know, I felt good at Windsor. It was hotter than hell. It was 40 degrees on the turf and you wear masks to warm up. And that I found a not enjoyable experience. But outside of that, I mean, we're so lucky to be able to race at home and in the women's 800, especially like have a competitive race at home because there are very few events that can say that. But honestly, I think there was a bit of a trickle down effect of like, you know, Melissa announcing that she would come home. And then Lindsay, you too, saying, well, I'm going to go home. And I was like, well, if those two are in Canada, then I can be in Canada because I know I've got someone to race against. And I think it kind of followed from there that everyone was like, well, if I can run against these women at home, why would I stay away? And I mean, the other thing is for me that like I wasn't even getting into the races with Melissa in the States. It's such a rare opportunity for me to be able to get in a heat with her. And that can happen in Canada. 
in, you know, in the States or in Europe, we're just going to be put in different fields. Uh, so that's, that's another advantage to being back here. But yeah, Windsor, Windsor was one of those opportunities. A bunch of the women from the 2019 final were in the race and Lucia Stafford stepped down and raised an 800 as well and ran super, super strong. So it was just, it's just good to be on a start line with a bunch of people who, you know, are going to be competitive. And, you know, anytime you have that opportunity, it's, it's a lucky one. And it felt even better to be back in Canada. So honestly, outside of the million and one degree weather and the mask wearing, I have no complaints. That's good prep for Tokyo. I feel like all people talk about right now is getting ready for that Tokyo heat and humidity. So I'm glad you had an experience like that where you could actually run a personal best. So Maddie, you ran two minutes 0.11 in Windsor. Is that right? I crossed the finish line and I crossed like right at 159. Lindsay knows this so well. We've both been trying to run 159 all season. And I crossed right at 159. And I was like, okay, either that was like 159.99 or it was too flat, flat. And I don't know. And there was no clock there. And so the announcer goes like, and Melissa Bishop has run 159.6. And I hear that and I go like, okay, yeah. Like I think, I think about, you know, it was in the half a second range that I was behind her. And he goes, and Madeline Kelly also under the old stadium record. And when he said the old stadium record, I audibly went, no. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, a PB is a PB and it's the fastest my body's ever gone. And now I have the perspective to say I'm very proud of that. But in the moment, I was like, you've got to be expletive kidding me. That is so that is so close. But I think you should bring Lindsay in now because she knows that exact feeling all too well. Absolutely. And I was going to say both of you, I know you've, you know, seen each other in some races this season. You've also done some races separately, but I believe if my research is correct, you've both run two minutes flat point three times this year and you've both run 201. Lindsay, I think you've run 201 in every other race you've run this year, other than the races you ran two minutes flat. And again, just a reminder for our listeners Olympic qualifying standard, the fastest it has ever been is 159.5. So you two are like within your splitting hairs, you're knocking on that door as close as you can. And um, you've had very similar trajectories. Lindsay, let's start by talking about what your last race was like, because I know you raced both the Victoria meet and then the Harry Jerome meet. And you, I think, I think ran another 201 there and you've just been doing so well this season. So what was that race like for you and how has the season gone overall so far? Yeah, I think um, like similar to Maddie, it's definitely a unique year and like something that we've never experienced before where we've had weeks of break from racing. I'm I'm used to racing like a lot and almost every weekend from like the from April to like August usually. So um, for me, yeah, as it has been everyone else, it's definitely been an adjustment um, with less races. And uh, I think for myself, I'm always more coming from the competitor side. Like I feel like my strengths are always just getting in a race and competing and not worrying about time at all. But I've definitely found myself in more situations this year where it's more of a time trial feel. And so I think it's good for me to work on, but it's just not like when you, when you have someone in the last 300 to chase or that you're trying to pass, or just like when you are, you get that competitive instinct, it's just a completely different feel when you don't have that. So I've definitely been the most consistent than I've ever been. I've never like opened my season with a 201 and I've never run like two flat in May before. So it's definitely consistent and in the right direction. But I'm feeling probably the same as Maddie, uh, just a little impatient. And um, I feel like I've been running, I ran two flat in 2018. And then again, a couple times in 2019. So I feel like I need to make that next step and the breakthrough is coming. So I think just like waiting for it to happen and 
and <laughs> being patient still, but it's definitely hard when opportunities this year especially don't come as often as normal. You know, I think something that's probably pretty universal for runners is chasing that PB. You know, it doesn't matter if you are trying to break five hours in the marathon or run 159.5 in the 800. I think that that is such a sort of, yeah, like unifying concept is trying to run faster than you've ever run. Given that the Olympic standard is so fast this year, and given that um, with this crazy world athletics point system, which we've talked about a lot on the podcast, and we will get more into that in a moment for both of you, but given that that is sort of throwing things into even greater uncertainty on a weekly basis, I'm curious what it has been like for both of you mentally to be chasing this standard every time you step on a line and coming within less than a second of it over and over and over again. And what that's sort of doing to you psychologically, because again, that, that consistency means so much and being able to show that you're breaking things down, even incrementally in terms of personal best is huge, but to be continually doing so well, but missing this somewhat arbitrary sort of marker of success, I can imagine is really difficult. Lindsay, maybe we'll start with you. What has that been like, kind of like having that as your ultimate goal this year in terms of chasing that standard? And then maybe if you can think about this as well, what is it like to find value and meaning in what you're doing, even if you're not quite achieving that standard? Yeah, I think it it was a bit of a different focus when we went to the States because we knew that there was going to be more competition there. So I felt that in the States, I wasn't really trying to focus on time too much. It was more of like a, just to compete. So that is a bit of a mental shift and a mental break in that sense where I could just, I knew I was in really good fields that the race was going to be fast. And I just had to go out there and focus on my own race plan and competing. Um, I think it's definitely been an adjustment now coming back and then with the restrictions in BC and having um, like there weren't as strong of fields as there normally would, that was more of kind of just definitely focusing on time. So that again is not what comes naturally to me. So I think it's just like, putting your head down and knowing that it's possible. Um, like I, I truly believe that it's within myself to run under two minutes. Like I'm, I know that my body can do that. And I don't think I've necessarily had that confidence previously. Um, but like, I know every time I think about the time, like I know I can run that time. So I think it's just like continuing to try to execute and, controlling everything that you can possible and just focusing on executing in the moment, I guess. That's a really, um, I think wise approach. Like my coach, Dave always says, if you can execute a race, well, the time will come. Now that's a much easier thing to say when it's early season and the pressure is not right. Like, obviously you both are in a position now Today, our time of recording is June 15th. You're less than two weeks out from selection. So you're both in a position where the pressure is really on. But I also, I think that sounds like a really, again, wise approach because it sounds like you're working towards a time goal, but also getting some of that race experience that you're going to need if you're looking beyond just qualifying, right? Like you're looking to be on the team. And then I would assume not just make the team, but run well at the, at the games in Tokyo. And all of that race experience sort of like cumulatively is going to help you perform really well once you're there too. Maddie, we've talked about it a bit through the rundown, but I know that, you know, after a month of not racing, you came back to Canada and you said you were pretty burnt out, just maybe burnt out isn't the right word, but you were pretty tired emotionally and, and psychologically from that chase for so long and coming so close and not quite hitting it. And you needed a bit of a recoup and, and you're rebuilding. And it sounds like the time at home has done you really well um, from that perspective. But what has that been like coming home and then like this, maybe using that time to refocus and now being in this period of like the hunt is on, we're two weeks out. What's that been like for you psychologically? Well, the two week quarantine, I feel so strange saying this. I loved it. I actually think I really needed 
to unplug for a minute. I, you know, took my Instagram off my homepage. I didn't go on Twitter. I just like gave myself some days to just not think about running because there was no matter what happened, I, it had never been more true that I literally couldn't do anything about it. So I was like, we're just gonna actually take the time to not do anything about it. And coming off that quarantine, it for sure, you know, this, the fact that we're days away from selection never left my mind. But I think that mental refresh was huge for me. I mean, now I similar to Lindsay, like, I just yeah, like 159 is not scary anymore. I've now run like a 10th of a second from it. Like, like, why would that time scare me if I've been that close on a day when I led 300 meters of the race? Like, it's not, you know, it's not a scary time. But I do feel like I've got this monkey on my back of I just want to get it out of me. So let's put that time on paper. And I said from the beginning of this year, 11 months ago, I had a sacral stress fracture and I was doing walk runs. So like, I said from that injury forward that like the goal wasn't even necessarily to make the Olympics. Like if that came, that was amazing. But my goal was to run 159 because I was so confident that I could get my body there. And I haven't done that yet. But Just like Lindsay, that is still my goal. And like for me, for Olympic selection, I'm clinging to a world athletics position by like the skin of my chinny chin chin. And I can't control what races the European women around me get into. I can't control what those bonus points are, but I believe I can get my body to run 159. And if I can do that, I will be very proud of the season I've had. And the reality is both of you are poised to have that hard work pay off in the form of an Olympic qualification. And I know that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just do a plug right now for this episode that we did with Evan Dunphy about a month ago, where he did a fantastic job of breaking down the world athletics point system. I highly recommend, we will put it in the show notes. I highly recommend that our listeners go back and take a listen because it will explain further what we're referencing here. But as of today, June 15th, this episode is coming out on Friday. So just in a couple of days time, I'm wondering if you can both give our listeners an update on where you're both sitting in that world athletics ranking, understanding that our global governing body of sport will take 48 women in your event to the Olympics, regardless of whether you've hit standard or not. So Lindsay, where do you know where you're sitting right now? Um, the last I checked, <laughs> uh, I think I'm at 29th. Um, so they take 48 in the women's 800. So, um, that's considering the list of women who have standard and taking out the top three per country or taking out more than three per country that might have it. So that's where I'm sitting based on my ranking and obviously not having the standard yet. Yeah. So sitting pretty comfortably, which is great. I mean, everything indicates that unless, unless something crazy happens over the next couple of weeks and we have a flood of women come through running times, um, you're, you're sitting pretty, pretty well within that ranking position. So that's great. Um, Maddie, where are you sitting as of today, June 15th? 47. Uh, it's really tight. And I mean, I got my, I hauled my average up. So also for those who don't know, it's the average of your top five best performances in the qualifying window. I brought my average up by nine points with my Windsor result. Um, so it hasn't been updated yet. I think that should put me in 46th unless like someone had an even better weekend than me and hops me. So 46 out of 48 is better than 47th, but still highly uncomfortable. So I'm hoping in Guelph, I can drop my lowest, my, my lowest two scores going into Windsor were 1150 and I had two of them. So I've ditched one and I'm looking to ditch the second because that will put me up in about 40th position. If I could just get rid of that freaking 1150 and then Around 40th, heading into nationals. Nationals is a bit of a moot point because everyone's going to run a nationals and get the same amount of points. And then we have that sneaky, sneaky little bonus race on the 29th. So if I can go into nationals around 40th, barring again, one of our fellow competitors running standard and hopping me, it looks good. But I need Guelph to go well. I basically need to be near perfect in, in my next three races for this to happen. 
The great thing, Maddie, is that your track record indicates that you have been near perfect in pretty much every freaking race you have towed a line in. So things are things are trending in a really good direction for you right now. I know it's still super nerve wracking, but this is where that consistency probably gives you a little, I, I would imagine, a little bit of confidence. It's not like these have been fluke races. This has been over and over and over again, running these times, getting a little bit faster by even hundreds of a second each time and running competitively really well. I mean, you and I have talked about this. You have run two, between two minutes and 201, anywhere from coming 15th in a 17-woman race to winning races from the front, literally leading from gun to tape. So that's a pretty good sign, I would think. To send three women to the Olympic Games in the 800 would be such an incredible boon for obviously both of you and Melissa, but also just, I think, for the future of our sport in general. And that is also something that Melissa talked about quite a bit in my chat with her was how amazing it is that we're in a position where we have not only the three of you all within, you know, a good qualifying spot, but also just like what that's going to do for the future of women's mid-distance running in our sport moving forward. I would say that the women's 5,000 and 800 are probably two of the strongest events in Canadian track and field right now, and certainly better than they've been any time in modern history. Lindsay, what does it feel like to be part of that movement? Because you've been running so well for so long. You've really been, I think, with Melissa, part of this, like the, these last couple of years of moving that needle towards having our women run really well in this event. So what does that, what does that mean to you heading into these games? Yeah, I think it's really exciting and it's, it's really amazing that We've had not only like so many women in the last few years running 201 or better, which we've never really had before, but also the shift in mindset of like Maddie and I both openly saying that we feel that feel confident we can run 159 when normally that is like a huge barrier in the women's 800 in Canada that, um, that everyone is kind of talking about and that hasn't been done very often. Like what we've had like seven women ever break two minutes, but here Maddie and I are like, yeah, we think we can break two minutes. It's just, I think it's so much fun that there are, there's such huge depth in the Canadian women's 800. Maddie, I know that, uh, what are you 25 now? 24? How are you feeling about being part of this movement as well? Because you're sort of like on the younger end of this sort of uh, shift, I would say, towards incredible success within our women's mid-distance category. What does it feel like for you to be part of that? And then to think about probably carrying that torch forward through, you know, I would say probably at least two more Olympic Games if you want them. It's hard to think of another Olympic cycle when you're like in the thickest part of one. Anyway. I think if you had asked anyone if I would have been in the mix in 2016, I think most people would have said, who's that? I didn't make the final at Nash at Senior Nationals until 2018. That was the year you won, Lindsay, and the year Melissa was not there and because she was having a baby. And I really remember you know, like shifting from being like, oh my gosh, like Melissa's so fast. How could anyone ever be that fast? And then like Lindsay was winning and I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just Melissa who's so fast, like Lindsay's so fast. And I was like, well, like if they can both be that fast, well then maybe some of us could be that fast too. And it was really, because if you don't have people to look up to doing it, it's harder to broaden your own horizons. Like for a long time, I just thought, Canadian women, you know, we don't really run 159 unless you're like Melissa. She's like our one special case. And now it's like, no, Canadian women, we, we can run 159 and we will. And then others will do it too. And the more people who, you know, continue to get better and stronger, we're just bringing even more people along with us. And I, you know, I look forward to running 159 with you. And then I look forward to a bunch of these women who are running 202, 203 right now, running 159 in a few years as well. And, you know, having it not be a big deal anymore because we're internationally competitive and that's no longer surprising. Of course, we still have two weeks until our final selection. And I know that, you know, nothing is is solidified yet, but you're both 
in such good positions. You're both doing so well. Let's say that we're, you know, six weeks from now on those start lines in Tokyo. I would love to ask each of you, not necessarily what your outcome goals are, although if you want to share that, that would be great as well. But what you hope to get out of this weirdest Olympics ever, um, given that it's been postponed by a year, given that we're in a spot with, and we didn't really touch on this, but I will just briefly say, you know, the, the top three, the medalists from 2016, all three are not allowed to compete at this year's games because they are DSD women and are therefore banned from competition in this event. So given that this is a very unusual games and given that this will be um, a huge opportunity for both of you, what would you ideally love to be able to walk away from these Olympics having accomplished? I think the world championships in Doha really opened my eyes to what I could accomplish at this level. And that was super exciting for me to be so close to making the final um, because that was not what I was expecting at all. I just kind of went into each round trying to run the best that I possibly could. And I think I'll just continue that mindset into Tokyo if I'm selected. And it's championship racing. And so you just, it's all about positioning and finish. And there's a lot of upsets and yeah, anything can happen. So I think that's really exciting for me just building off of that experience from world championships because um, in 2017, it did not go that well for me. And so I think coming from 2017, where I was like, almost last in my heat and didn't make it out of the first round, that was a good experience to just like get out of the way. And then coming into 2019, having more confidence that I deserve to be there and I deserve to compete against these other women and just building off of that momentum that's been a bit delayed, but still holding on to the momentum into this year and just trying to compete as well as I can to move as far up as I possibly can. And what a great plug for the value of having championship experience when you're not quite at your prime, eh? So that you can understand going through the motions means so much and understanding what it's like mentally, physically, and emotionally to have to um, sort of navigate those waters that are brand new. It sounds like you really learned a ton from them and have benefited tremendously since then. And we're so excited to see what comes next for you, Lindsay. So congratulations on everything that you've accomplished this year. And we can't wait to see you in Tokyo. Thank you. Maddie, I know that this will be your first major championship experience should you be selected. How are you feeling going in and what would you consider to be a success at the end of these games? Like we can be frank, Lindsay's spot is a little more likely than mine at this point. So I've still really got a get there on the brain. But I, if I'm selected, I mean, this will be my first national team ever. So I'm just looking to see what like that experience is like period. Like I wasn't even on like a youth or junior team. I've never worn the team Canada kit. Uh, So uh, that would be a massive honor for me to get to do that. And then I'm very fit and healthy right now. Like nothing hurts. I would be so excited to be there. And I mean, just getting out of the heats would be a huge, huge boost in confidence for me. Um, But even if I didn't, I would just love to have the experience to hopefully, you know, build upon it in three years time. That would, that's my best possible outcome is, you know, kind of a member of the happy to be there club, but like a really proud member of the happy to be there club. Awesome. Awesome spot to be in. Well, again, uh, we wish you both the best of luck. By the time this episode airs, you will have completed your Guelph races. So we'll be sure to provide an update because I think all three of our guests, both of you and Melissa, will be racing in Guelph. So we'll have some updates on that as well. And then uh, both of you will be moving into both nationals. And then that last chance Montreal meet is what date? 29th. So we wish you both the absolute best of luck moving into all all three of those events, but especially those last two. Thank you both for chatting with us uh, for the ShakeOut podcast. And we hope very much to see both of you in Tokyo uh, in about six weeks time. 
Best of luck. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kate. And an update on that Guelph Inferno on Wednesday, Melissa, Maddie, and Lindsay all ran 201 on a windy night, finishing within a tenth of a second of each other. A few more results and updates for you. At the Harry Jerome Classic in Burnaby last weekend, Luke Bruchette achieved the Olympic standard in the 5,000 meter, running 13-12-56. That's a PB of 12 seconds. This means that we now have three men, Mo Ahmed, Justin Knight, and Luke, all with that Tokyo standard in this event. Regan Yee and Alicia Butterworth both ran enormous PBs in the steeplechase in Burnaby and were each just one second off of that Olympic standard. And Evan Dunphy continued his race walking dominance by breaking his own 10,000 meter record by almost 15 seconds, crossing the line in a solo performance of 38-39. At the Florence Diamond League last weekend, we saw three phenomenal Canadian results. In the men's 5,000 meter, Mo Ahmed finished third in a season's best of 12.50. And right behind him, Justin Knight powered his way to a huge lifetime best of 12.51, shattering his old PB by 18 seconds. This makes him the second man in Canadian history behind Mo to break that world-class 13-minute barrier. Also in Florence, Gabriella Debuse Stafford ran a season's best in the 1500 meter of four minutes, 0.46, good enough for fourth place in a stacked field. And finally, south of the border, the US Olympic trials start today at Oregon's Hayward Field. Notable omissions from the start list include former Olympians Molly Huddle, Evan Jagger, and Shannon Robery, all of whom have pulled out due to injury. Shelby Houlihan will also miss these trials as she is currently serving a four-year suspension from sport after testing positive for the banned substance Nandrolone. Originally, USATF said that it would allow Shelby to compete. However, after outcry from the running community, the U.S. Olympic Committee stepped in and said that because her ban has been upheld by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, she is ineligible for these trials. Shelby's current ban means that she'll miss both the Tokyo and Paris games. For more information and updates on this story and many more, visit runningmagazine.ca. You can follow us at Shakeout Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, and please consider leaving us a review. We'll be back next Friday with more exciting conversations from our Tokyo-bound Canadian athletes. Until then, stay safe and run happy.